check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to episode 225. I'm your host, Alpha Mike, and you are listening to Raider Cop Podcast. Today's episode, The Checkout. There was a lot of fanfare when you came in. Your first day, your first day of school, you had to be all press, smell pretty, look pretty, because the academy was about to start. They were going to teach you and teach you and teach you. And when you graduate from there, your feet would never touch the floor because you could walk on air. But then, after a long career, it's over. And that's what we're going to discuss today. The Checkout, Episode 225. How do you get in contact with us? Well, it's easy. RaiderCop.com. You can hear all our episodes from 1 to 225. And RaiderCop Nation is our official website where you can hear and see more information about us and upcoming shows. We lived in we live in troubled times. You know it and I know it. Joe's grabbing at our guns, He's trying to get our ammo. It's time to join the USCCA. Why? Because you need protection. Just because you strap a gun on doesn't mean that you're fully protected. It's the aftermath protection that you desperately need. And it's as simple as getting your smartphone and texting RAIDER, R-A-I-D-E-R, to 87222, the word Raider, R-A-I-D-E-R. And that'll put you on track to become a member of the USCCA. All right, some of our other spots we'll do later on. You know about social media. I'm not going to waste any time with that as well. So we're going to go into our fastly picking up people are starting to enjoy living in the Bolshevik states of woke These are the top three events of the week from the disaster in the White House and the Bolsheviks that are running the country. It's time to hear the Bolshevik states of woke. The Soviet Union will be pleased to offer amnesty to your wayward vassal. The Soviet Union? I thought you guys broke up. Yes, that's what we wanted you to think. Our first story takes us to Joe Manchin as the Democrats and the other Bolsheviks attempt to beat up Joe. The pressure's on. The Bolsheviks want to rough him up. Can they? Will he chicken out? Or will Joe Manchin stay the course? Now they're putting the pressure on big time. What will happen? We don't know. 
you know, he is a Democrat. But basically what you have is they're pulling all the stops out and beating the crap out of Joe Manchin in the background, trying to get him to change his vote. So Washington Post headlines, Senator Manchin steadfast in opposition to the voting rights bill after meeting with civil rights leaders. So they're putting on the pressure and they're really putting it on thick. Let's see if Joe is really, uh, is he manned up or is this all a charade? We'll soon find out. Story number two. Camilla not wanted in Guatemala and she's never been and she hasn't been to Europe. That's the breaking story. So Camilla, on her arrival, after a shaky start taking off on the airplane, had to go back, Air Force Two. Sounded a little strange up in the air. They thought about it, and they go, yeah, but, you know, it's not going to look right if we jump out with parachutes, and they flew back, fixed whatever was wrong, and they took uh, the Vice President Bat straight to Guatemala, where she was greeted by signs that says, you're not wanted in Guatemala. Go back home. And after the press had the nerve to ask her, you haven't, you haven't been to the border. She actually said, yeah, and I, I haven't been to Europe either. So giggling and laughing, she doesn't accomplish anything. The Democrats got a train wreck in the White House, folks, president and vice president. And our last story, you can't make this stuff up. Hunter Biden used the N-word multiple times in emails to his lawyer. So here we have Uncle Joe trying to, trying to school all of us by teaching us about racism. And his son is a toilet. You start to wonder where he learned how to use the N-word. But I'm sure the disclaimer is going to be Joe doesn't even know what the N-word is. Doesn't know anything about it. Yep, can't make it up, folks. We are crashing. But fear not, remember I told you we were going to wrap things up with the joke of the week right after we do the living in the Bolshevik states of woke because they're so depressing. We want you to get off on a, on a good mood before you hear the main event. So, the joke of the week is, who is the leader of the Kitty Communist Party? Answer is, Chairman Meow. Look, what do you want from me? I just read this thing. Okay, I'm trying to make you happy. Now, now I'm the bad guy now. So, to make you feel a little bit better, Let's go off into the word of the week. From the book of Psalms, chapter 126, verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Again, Psalms 126. And uh, wasn't it Joe Biden that he, he couldn't say Psalms? I can't remember what that story was. He called it something else. 
Solomon or something like that. He didn't know how to say Psalms. We've got a, uh, I'm serious how bad it is in the White House. Number two, number one are off the charts, my friends. Today's episode is episode 225, and you're listening to The Checkout. As we said early on, it's time you came in, you did a stint as in a career as law enforcement. Happiest day of your life was graduating from the academy. And now, after so many years, it's time to wrap it up. You've probably seen that on YouTube or Facebook where you see the older guys tearing up to do their last radio call. It is an emotional moment, but there's also joy in those moments. And that's what we're going to discuss today. Do you got an old beat-up gun that you're thinking about fixing and you just don't know what to do with it? Well, I know what you can do. You can call Pistol Pete the gunsmith. He's down in Miami. His information is down on the show notes. Pistol Pete the armorer to, at one time, thousands upon thousands of officers in Miami-Dade, today has his own shop called Pistol Pete the Gunsmith in Miami. Believe me, my friends, you won't be disappointed. Check him out. Talk to him about what you want, and you'll be surprised on how easy it can happen. But I'm not down in Miami. I'm in Wells Fargo, North Dakota, whatever it's called. Well... Give him a call because it's easier as dropping it off and he'll pick it up on the other end and he'll explain how that federal process is done. Pennies on the dollar. You won't be disappointed. Today's episode 225, The Checkout. It's time to get the clowns for the main event. So 225, the checkout, we're going to discuss that moment when, in, in time when it's time to leave your career. Now, it could be for anybody. It could be, let's say uh, you're a firefighter. I believe they have tearful moments on the way out too. Or you, you're a truck driver. It is a process you've given your life. 20, 25, 30, 40 years to an industry. You've worked with so many people that they've become your second family. If you break it down mathematically, you probably spent more time with them than you did your own family. So today we're going to talk about that process. You know, there's a lot of fanfare in law enforcement when you graduate from the academy. Usually, 
there's a party. Class has a party. And it's the beginning of their first day of their dream being fulfilled to become a law enforcement officer. And during that journey, there are different emotional levels. Of course, in the beginning, it's all well and good because you really feel joyful. You also feel that you can attack whatever comes at you and you're going to fix the world. But of course, the longer you're there, the more bitter you'll become. As you discover, you can only do so much. Five years turns into 10 years, 15, 20, whatever the magical number is to stop. But there comes that time where there's that personal decision that you have to make. You know, if you're ready to leave or not, you might have to stay a little longer. You might have wanted to leave 12 years earlier, but you'll know when it's time to leave and then you'll make that faithful decision. Today, I want to take you through that journey that a lot of law enforcement officers are having. Some are bittersweet, some are joyful. Some, they have fanfare and parades, almost to say. And some are very quiet, very serene. And next thing you know, you're out looking through the window in. So our outline is as follows. First day of school, first day of the academy. As I said, your first day of the academy, you show up all pressed, all shiny, smelling good, ready to get in there and conquer what comes at you. And the academy in the beginning is probably a rough thing for a lot of civilians. Probably about the 95, to, about 95, 90%. It's overwhelming. The small percentage, maybe about 10, that have military backgrounds, they'll giggle and laugh a little bit at the police academy and corrections academies because, you know, it's not like the military. There's only so much that... Uh, you can do in the capacity of, of uh, law enforcement academy compared to a military. But here you are, you're, you know, the dream that you might have had your whole life since you were a kid. And day one is, is right there, fast approaching. And here you are entering the academy. It becomes a process, just the academy itself, that you will always separate that from your regular career. The academy will be a bond between you and your classmates that will last an entire career and thereafter. They're your first real challenge in law enforcement. And those people that were in that class with you will also challenge, and that bond will last for a long, long time. As you journey through your academy days, 
There will be subjects that you'll whiz right through. And you'll actually look at yourself in the mirror and say, can't we just get on with this and give me the badge already? I was born for this. But there are also going to be subjects that you're going to fall straight on your face. And you're going to all of a sudden be on your knees praying. I can't fail. I've got to pass. There are pressures. There are tears. There's a lot of sweat. And in some, if not most academies, there will be some type of blood transaction happening as well. It's a difficult process. Transitioning from civilian life to law enforcement. But you're not really in law enforcement until you complete the task and get the badge. That in itself becomes a ritual process or tradition that when you pin that badge on your uniform, whether it's yourself or a loved one or family member pins it on for you, it represents a whole lot of blood, sweat, and tears from those that came before you. There's a lot of responsibility that goes with that badge. And for the most part, you feel ready for the challenge and can't wait to get out there. Now, there's a thing called the seven-year itch, which is very real. Every seven years in your career, it'll be the moment that you scratch your head and you say, I want to be here. I want to I want to go, I want to leave. And uh, how much do I do, how much do I have in my retirement account anyway? Of course, when the first seven year itch comes, you check your balance and you slap yourself and you figure it out that you're daydreaming and you need to get back to work. But then year 14 comes and you start to try to manipulate the numbers. Well, if I cut here and I do this, and you start dreaming about retirement. That's our second bulletin here today. During your whole career, you dream about the moment that you're retiring. It becomes a fantasy. You see yourself fishing every day, and traveling around the globe, jet setter, and you fantasize about it as you go through your career. But then you realize as you start getting towards that date, I mean, you can be five, seven, eight years off, but you pissed in the wind. What does that mean? Well, it means you didn't prepare for the end of the race. You prepare for the beginning of the race. You stretch you worked out your limbs. You started the run. You knew when to run faster, when to slow down. And as you're huffing and puffing towards the end of this race, just before you go to cross the finish line, you realize you didn't prepare anything for the end. And that happens countless thousands 
and thousands of officers every day, every week, every month, every year. A lot of them don't prepare for the end. But they ran that race. They, they ran that race. There was a lot of tears. There was joy. There was happiness. There was success. There was failures. You've got the war wounds and the stretch marks to prove it. But you didn't prepare for the end. In the state of Florida, in the state where I had my career and I retired from, there's a program which is called DROP. And what it is, is you basically, and uh, I'll, I'll put it on the show notes so you get a little bit more understanding of what I'm talking about. But you retire on paper, but you still come to work. And there's a limited amount of time, about 60 months, that you're permitted to do this. And instead of receiving that retirement check, you know, you're officially retired, here you go, turn in your badge and out your door, you go. The agency basically says, well, we'll keep you for another 60 months, five years, and uh, we'll even pay you your retirement check while you're working here collecting a check. And the money is pretty outrageous. So it's enough to get you over the finish line. You see, prior to that, you were really huffing and puffing. You looked like you could finish the race, but man, you were hurting. You wanted to slow down. But that program called Drop, once they told you all the wonderful things that came with it, all of a sudden you backed up the pace a little bit more and running faster looking good too and every month now you're going to become a bean counter you're going to check your retirement account and you're going to start seeing that bad boy add up thousands of dollars every month ding 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 every month after a while you use this game you're like you gotta be kidding me I've never seen all this money in my entire life. And it starts building. Of course, you're not going to get it until you leave. But you have access to the account and you can look at it. And it becomes such a joyous event for you that you enjoy running the race now, but you're not really looking at the, the finish line now. Yeah, you know you're heading in that direction, but man, I'm making too much money. I'm having too much fun. And you continue running that race. But at one point or another, you're going to know when, when it's time to leave. Of course, if you signed up for this retirement program called Drop, you're on a 60-month program, which is five years. You don't have to stay the entire time. You can leave whenever you want. But you can't go beyond the extended date. 
So in essence, you actually know your expiration date. But many don't even go that far. They'll, they'll stop somewhere, wherever that number that they're looking for. And they'll go, okay, I'm good. And some go all the way. They go way beyond expiration date. And they're told, okay, that's it. You can't run anymore. Race is over. Here's your check and get out. And they do for the most part. And then the following week, they jump onto another agency that different retirement from the one they just retired from. Starting all over again because they enjoyed the race. They didn't want to stop. They don't want to stop. But the vast majority of us will stop and collect. It's like hitting a lottery. Yeah, your first couple of retirement checks, you look at it, you look at it, and you go, you just can't be real. And I remember talking to a lot of retired guys as, you know, we were all retired mostly at the same time. And we would joke around saying, you know, it's this, this shouldn't even be legal. Because all we knew was work, get dressed, Put on your uniform, your equipment. Risk your life for X amount of years. Then all of a sudden, okay, that's it. Whistle blows. End of the race. And you're collecting this check every month. You're like, this can't be real. It's like if I hit the lottery. So let me explain to you that checkout process once you make that decision. For me, it, it was a three-page to-do list. And some people would do it in the same day. They'd walk them through it, or supervisor or whatever, or the commanding officer. And... Uh, by lunchtime they were finished and they left. For me, it took three whole days. That's how much crap I had. And you have to turn in your uniforms. You have to uh, turn in equipment that was given to you. You have to go down to the internal affairs section and uh, they have to sign off that there's nothing no pending investigation against you. You have to make sure your caseless, your caseload list is notified or district attorney or state attorney that you'll be retiring. Doesn't matter. You'll get subpoenaed for the next 20 years anyway. You won't be there. You'll be gone. Someone else will handle all that paperwork, but part of your process and then you got to go through your command chain they all sign off on the paper a little paper there there's commemorative awards that you can get like weapons and so forth that's a process in itself if you were issued a weapon you'd have to turn it back into 
firearms armor. That's a process in itself. And as you go through each stage, and I'm not going to bore you with each one, you start to understand this is getting real. And, um, but there's something inside you, a little bit of joy saying, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is great as you go to check out. There's always that last stop that you have to do. And that's probably most likely for a lot of guys listening. will happen at the headquarters building. Where you have to turn in your official credentials. They're going to be replaced with ones that say retired on it. Not the same. You have to take your badge and you have to turn it in. And you're not going to leave with a badge. Because the retirement badge is on order and you'll probably get that in 6 to 8 to 12 to 14 to 19 to 22 weeks. So you turn all your stuff in. And you go out the exit. And usually, sadly to say, in stations or law enforcement stations usually the exit that the employees enter and exit are secured so you got in and out of that building through some credit card ID that allowed you to go in and out but now you don't have it you can go out but all of a sudden you hear that crashing door slam behind you and even if you wanted to get in, you couldn't get in. Because you don't have access anymore. And it's the beginning of a difficult process of understanding you're a civilian now. And you've dedicated your entire life, well, not your entire life, but a good portion of it, 20, 25, 30 years, 35, whatever it is. For me, it was 27. And all of a sudden, you don't feel the same. So imagine carrying a badge in your wallet for the last 30 years, and all of a sudden, you open up your wallet and there's no badge in it. Well, you're a civilian. What are you, crazy? Who cares? But it's a personal attachment. It's like a, a wedding ring. Now it's not there anymore. And you look at your new ID, and it doesn't look like the old one, and it's stamped. Retired. So there's no confusing anyone that you're no longer active. And you take that long walk outside the building. Now, sometimes they're filled, you know, festive occasions and your co-workers are waiting for you outside and all that. So you'll, 
the process of leaving isn't as difficult. For me, I specifically chose to come in, to go out just like I came in by myself. And I purposely ducked everybody. God, I was good at it. I actually walked in the headquarters building, got all, most of everything I needed. And if I must have seen two commanding officers, that was too many. See, the day I checked out, the mayor was giving the state of the county address and they all had to be there. I, I didn't plan it that way, but I, this is great. There's nobody here. Eh. I just walked around, got my little rubber stamps. But I wanted to leave the way I came in because I thought it was fitting. When I came in, I didn't come in with any fanfare. I had my own for my academy class, you know, we celebrated. But once you went to work that first day, reality set in, there were no more fanfares there. You were gonna look at hard law enforcement officers that look at you and go, you knew here? Yeah, okay, pay attention. And that was a long journey you had to take, 20, 25, 30 years, 40. Paying attention. But I chose to walk out, and I did, on my own. And after a while, you know, a couple of days go by, you kind of feel, well, I'm on vacation. There's no big deal. And you start to kind of try to fool yourself that you didn't really do the process of retiring. Because see, deep down in your blood, you're still an officer. You're still a deputy. Although that authority has been taken away from you. But it doesn't go away from your mind from your heart from your soul and the process takes several weeks if not months to start to sink in start finding yourself hanging out with people that are active now I don't even know what's going on what the hell happened yesterday I don't know there's no water cooler there's no coffee pot people hanging around the coffee pot of your house just you you're out of the loop now you find yourself hanging out where they're hanging out drifting around like a, a stray cat it's a process I remember there was an old timer I believe he did 35 or 36 years it was the last day, and uh, I remember I was like a relieving officer for him. Shook his hand, thanked him for his service. He told me, "Be good, kid." Walked out. But several weeks later, 
she was that stray cat hanging around. See, 36 years was difficult for him to let go. And he'd hang around and hang around. Then there was a commanding officer that kind of got his jollies and telling him he couldn't come back in the building anymore. Yeah, the, the, those people, they exist. Not recognizing that he was just an old timer. Missing his 36 years. See, when he went back, he was looking for his missing 36 years. Where did they go? He lasted a couple years and died. Like others, they didn't last long. It's a mystery. A lot of people say, well, officers die, law enforcement officers die because the stress level, you know, was always high when they were working and now they retired and they dropped. It's all a bunch of baloney. A lot of them die because they feel they didn't have anything to live for. A piece of them is missing. And they eventually go themselves. The checkout process is not an easy process. That door shuts behind you. It's D-Day. You've always wanted it. That's all you wanted ever since you signed the paperwork to come in. Can't wait to retire. Can't wait to get out of here. You hear fellow officers that's all what they talk about. Man, I got five more to go. Five more years. Three, two, it's a countdown. Everybody, everybody's walking around with a calendar, counting down. But then that day comes. You don't want to go. Well, you're going to go because, you know, I, I got to go because that's what we do. You got to leave. And I, I got all this money. Expiration date. You got to get out of here. But your mind doesn't understand you're not coming back. You become desensitized to civilian life. As an officer, so many things that officers do maybe have a little heavier right foot than anybody else. Swing through stop signs a little faster. Red lights sometimes or suggestions. And all, as a civilian, you can't be doing that. But it's a process. It just doesn't go away right away. And it starts reminding you every day you're a civilian. Sure, you still have the ability to carry a weapon and the whole nine yards. You still have an ID. You just have to be IDing your wallet is retired. But uh, as time goes on, you start to notice 
you start seeing other officers that are active, maybe in the agency that you work for, maybe another agency, but you start looking at them, you start saying, man, I don't think I could do that. You know, come back and do this all over again. There are few that would love to come back and do it all over again. Maybe they had too many mistakes. Who knows? So being desensitized into civilian life is a process in itself. You know, now all of a sudden you have to hear, wait, hold on. You can't go beyond that line. And you start understanding you're normal again. Retirement is a process that it doesn't mean that you retired from life. It means you retired from a career. You have to grab another career, another journey, another destiny to keep your mind, body, and heart in shape. Other civilians in your neighbor, in your community, They'll never understand what you did for a career. Yeah, they'll thank you for they'll thank you for your service, but they won't understand it, and you can't tell it to them because you wouldn't even know how to translate the conversation to a civilian in the first place. You see, law enforcement guys—they speak in codes. It's a it's a force of habit. Some of us don't even, we've forgotten the English language. Only other friends that we have are law enforcement. Our civilian friends, when we were active, was like two people on a piece of paper. Oh, wait a minute, he's my brother. He doesn't, okay, he doesn't. One. That kind of thing. But now you're a civilian. And it's a process. For me, I'm on my fifth year of retirement. And other than the physical aspect of not having the stress to put on the gear and go to work, I still stay active. I push myself on things. I got the podcast. That helps. But leaving and walking away from law enforcement never leaves a person that was in law enforcement. It's like somebody in the military that did 20 years. They never leave the military. Physically, they're not there anymore. Mentally, they are. For us, same process. See stories on TV, and we, Monday morning, quarterback better than anybody. The checkout process. It's the journey that you have to take alone. Yeah, many want to go with you. Many want to celebrate who you were when you worked in the agency. 
Some might be glad that you left. Some may be sad that you left. I kind of tried to duck the party thing too, but I did end up going to one because there were very special people that were throwing it for me. And it was my original crew. And uh, that would be like my family in law enforcement. They sent me a good goodbye party. And off I went. And behind me, many, many more are coming. For me, it was worth it. The journey was worth it. But I look at the young generation today and I say, wow, I don't think I could do it. Under the things that I had to deal with and how I dealt with them when I was in law enforcement, I couldn't do it. I couldn't perform half my job today like I used to. I mean, could I adapt, overcome? Of course. But would I like to? No. I always will say, and I always believe, my era of law enforcement was effective, and it worked. Was it the best? Probably not, but it worked. Today, everything is frowned upon. But it's not frowned upon when you're the victim. I'll tell you that. And like I tell a lot of my buddies that worked with me for many, many years, you know what? The stuff that we did and the things that we did in our career, no generation will ever, ever, ever do. And we're proud of that. Up next, If My People, episode 226. And that, of course, is going to go out on Sunday. Now, let me do a real a real quick uh, up, update of what we're doing because I've changed some things on the schedule. So... Of course, uh, as I said, up next, If My People, episode 226, part of the AWOL series. That's June 13th. Then uh, we got uh, Kilo Sierra coming on deck on June 16th on episode 227, Tactical Shooting Handgun. And uh, June 20th, uh, I've changed this now, episode 228, and that's Sheriff versus Lawyer or Liberal versus Leftist. Interesting episode it's going to be. It's about the sheriff and the situation that's going on in the Los Angeles County. And uh, 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 tune in. It's going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be uh, revealing, we'll say that. So that's episode 228 on June 20th. Sheriff versus lawyer or liberal versus leftist. June 23rd, WCP, Wilson Combat 
320 carry Wilson Combat, and that's episode 229. We're going to talk about a handgun. I'm not sure if Kilo Sierra is going to be on that one with me, but you're always welcome. Uh, June 27th was changed, episode 230. It's going to be called The Green Light Program. I'm going to talk about what's going on in Miami-Dade with these uh, thugs going around shooting up people, killing them. And uh, it's turned into some type of game. So the government, the local government, has uh, enacted some new policies, procedures, and... uh, We're going to start talking about one of them, and that's called the Green Light Program, episode 230. That's June 27th. And we're going to wrap it up in the month of June, June 30th, with the candy store. Mr. Brown's Candy Store in Corona, Queens, New York. Part of the Wise Guy series as we continue to dive into the Lucchese crime family for the remainder of the year all the way up until March of 2021, and then we switch over to the Genovese crime family. Hey, you're looking for gun training? I've told you about my buddy, Kilo Sierra. Are you in the Philadelphia area, New Jersey area, and you want training, good, solid training in firearms? Well, this information is down on the bottom of the show notes. Kilo Sierra, can't go wrong. Or if you're in Florida, drop me a line. Just contact me from the website itself, RaiderCopNation.com. And uh, if I'm not in that area in Florida, you know, Florida's a big state, I will find a good instructor for you wherever you land. As always, it is my honor and pleasure to be your host on Raider Cop Podcast. Continue to pray for yourself because without you in the game, we have nothing. Continue to pray for your family, for your community, for the law enforcement agencies that serve you. And most importantly, continue to pray for the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike, and I'm out.